with today's scripture reading, which comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We're going to read this in the ESV, and we encourage you to find that if you have your own Bible or a Bible app. We'll also project it up here in a moment. Again, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are continuing in this sermon series that's called Happier. Today's message is called For the Joy. And so I had a question. Uh, Do you think that Christianity on one hand and happiness on the other, how well do these things mix? So another way to put this question is, if we really pursue a a Christian life the way that Jesus intends, we live like Jesus, will we be happy? And, And, you know, I know that happiness is something that so many people pursue. Do you think that if we pursue a godly life, a holy life, that we would actually be happier than if we just live by our own devices, just chasing all the pleasures that people normally do. Now, friends, uh, you know, when I put it that way, maybe you're like, hmm. I know, you know, maybe we're in church and we're supposed to say, of course, you know, living a life for Christ is a happy life. But is it really? Right? Like, seriously, think about it. Is a holy life a happy life or even a happier life than the life that you would live on your own. Because I know for a lot of us, um, you know, when we think about, uh, yeah, like, like Christianity or the things that, that we, we see in the Bible, there does seem to be a lot of restrictions, doesn't there? There do seem to be a lot of ways, you know, uh, that, that we're told not to do things. And so we normally think about, um, you know, things that make us happy as, you know, like being able to do whatever we want. And so, yeah, you know, it's maybe this statement here by Archbishop Desmond Tutu might sound a little bit weird, you know, being a Christian archbishop, saying, we are meant to live in joy. Is that really true? You know, do you find yourself wanting to amend that? Like, okay, but Pastor Steve, Christians, right, like like we're meant to be holy, not always happy, Right? We can't be happy in the same way as, as, as we are in the world. And that may be true. Right? It might be a different kind of happiness. But I want to assure you, you know, uh, in the scripture today, it does talk about joy. And it talks about it in a way that might seem a little bit strange. Let's take a look. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. So we are meant to live this life for God, to run this race, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Friends, uh, I want to say that again. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So the cross 
as you probably know, was a, a wooden you know, apparatus that was used to torture and kill people. We don't normally think of that as something that would bring joy. But it says here that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. It's really strange if you think about it. Those two things seem so far away from each other, right? And friends, I I do want to assure you that, as Archbishop Desmond Tutu says, that I do think our lives are meant to be lives filled with joy. But sometimes we misinterpret that. And we even look at something like the cross, which can seem so grisly and depressing. And it kind of reminds me of of this movie called Dogma. It's a comedy. Uh, And and I just want to assure you, it's, it's a movie. This didn't really happen. But in it, the Catholic Church decides that the crucifix, the symbol that is so you know, synonymous with the church of Jesus you know, uh, uh, suffering on the cross, right? He's got the crown of thorns and he's bleeding. You know, that that symbol is maybe like turning people away. It's too depressing. And that they want to change their image. And you know, they, they want to bring people in with something positive. So they change it from the crucifix to this, Buddy Christ, that, you know, it's, it's Jesus looking all cheerful. Hey, I'm your friend, right? And I want to assure you, that's not what we're talking about. I know sometimes that's what it seems like. There is a current within modern Christianity where we're like, ah, you know, the cross, like, yeah, we're really thankful that Jesus endured that, but let's not talk about that stuff so much. It's so depressing, right? Let's not talk about sin so much, right? Let's not focus on difficult things. Let's focus on joy and happiness, and our churches become these places that are just positive, and everyone looks good, and you look up there, and the praise team, right, they look like rock stars, and, you know, the, the, the church itself is gleaming and beautiful and just everything is perfect and everything is just happy, happy, joy, joy, good, good. And friends, I want to assure you that I don't want to ignore the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You got to go through the cross. You got to carry the cross. You cannot ignore the cross. And I will say that the reason why this is so incomprehensible to us, that you can have joy and the cross, is because we misinterpret what really makes us happy in a lasting sense. So for most of us, we think happiness is a life full of pleasure and absent from pain. And so this is a goal for many of us. I just looked up a pain-free life, and there's all these things. A lot of them are like clinics where they focus on people who are getting older and, and assuring them that you can live a pain-free life, which is bogus, right? There's no such thing as a pain-free life. But it doesn't stop us from looking. It doesn't stop us from searching, right? And many of us, that's what we want. We don't want the cross. We don't want the wooden cross with its splinters and with its shame and with its blood and with its crown of thorns. We don't want that. We want comfortable seats, right? We want a comfortable life. We want a safe neighborhood, right? We want all of these things, you know, no coronavirus, all these things. I want those things too. Don't don't get me wrong. But friends, we know that life is filled with those things. So in some ways... This is just an empty quest because you can't possibly have it. 
There's no such thing as a pain-free life. In many ways, it's completely pointless to look for one, right? And in some ways, it's actually counterproductive to what Christianity is supposed to be about, right? Now, you might be saying, okay, but Pastor Steve, okay, so there's the reality of suffering, but wouldn't it be better if you could still reduce the suffering, right? Like, because... You know, even though, like, like, we can't be completely free from pain, right? What's so wrong with trying to make your life more comfortable? Well, friends, uh, there is something about the cross that Jesus, he went through the cross. He didn't avoid it, right? So that, for one, should be a clue, right? That that's not the, 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 the formula for a life well-lived, right? Jesus is our example, Right? He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Right? And Jesus did not ignore the cross. But I will say, you know, it, it, this is, seems very incomprehensible to us unless we take a closer look at the scripture. Let's take a look. Right? It's not just that Jesus you know, um, endures the cross and he just has a better attitude than most people. But I want you to take a look at what it says here. It says that, Yes, it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, but it also says he despised the shame. He despised the shame. What does that mean? Now, I I wanted to look this up in the Greek because, you know, I think that you could look at this in different ways. You could be like, Jesus didn't like the pain. He despised it, right? He went through it kicking and screaming the whole way. He's like, oh, man, this shame is too much. Oh, my gosh, I, I, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. But that's actually what it doesn't, that, that's actually not what it means. The Greek word uh, for despise, it literally means uh, think down. And, and, and so really what it is, it's to think little of. It's kataphroneo. And kataphroneo, it is about um, like, like, almost like dismissing it, right? You look down on it. It's not that big a deal anymore because you're like, shame? No big deal, Right? And so Jesus, like, is scoffing at the shame, right? He's like, let's not make a big deal out of the shame, right? And so, friends, what are we talking about here? What is shame? Shame is a particular form of suffering where we become really focused on ourselves, don't we? Right? We're really worried about what other people think of us and if they're going to accept us, right? And you're on that cross, and you're like, oh, I'm naked, and I'm bleeding. Dude, I probably look really weak right now, right? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I thought it was Jesus. I thought it was the Messiah. I thought it was going to be a big deal. This is what my life amounts to? Jesus thinks down on that. He thinks little of that, right? In other words, that's not what he's focused on, right? And so, friends, for many of us, when we go through pain, When we go through suffering, the problem is, is that becomes our focus. It makes us very inward, right? We become very, very self-focused, right? It's like, woe is me. And and friends, we all do it, right? You know, I I know there's a way that we, we can look down on people who do this or be like, oh, man, what's wrong with you? You complain so much. But we all do it, right? In pain, in difficulty, right? We We complain. And, and it is the thing that occupies our attention. But not for Jesus. He was focused on something else. What? 
He was focused on the joy that was set before him. Well, friends, what is that? What is the joy that was set before him? Friends, um, in in many ways, uh, I, I think you'll understand what this joy is and why this is a lasting joy. When you think about the joy of the cheetah, you guys ever see a cheetah? This is a, a, a gif of a cheetah running. It's beautiful, right? It's, are, are we disconnected right now? Yeah, we're good? Okay. <laughs> so if you look at a cheetah running, it's majestic, and it's beautiful, right? And uh, contrast this with, do you ever see a cheetah, um, like, at the zoo or something, and the cheetah's just, like, sitting around because it doesn't have anywhere to run? And maybe the cheetah's got, like, a couch, you know, like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't really at your zoo, but just imagine that the cheetah's got a couch and it's got a cell phone and it's playing Candy Crush and the cheetah's got, like, you know, um, french fries that it's eating. And the cheetah in this state has no pain, really, right? There's no real suffering here. But there isn't the same kind of joy as when the cheetah is doing what it's meant to do. Right? So the cheetah here that's running, all it's doing, it's living into its purpose. It's living into what it was created to do. Right? And, and obviously, I don't know what the cheetah's thinking, right? I, I, I'm, I've never been a cheetah, but you can only imagine the joy just as you're working those muscles and as you're just, you know, I don't know. Flying through the plains of the Serengeti, right? And, and you're just running, and it's just, this is what you were made to do. Friends, so much of joy, it is not just about experiencing pleasurable things or not having painful things, it is about living into purpose. This sense of rightness, this was, is what I was on earth, uh, that this is what I was created to do. Right? And we find that when we look at Jesus, we're told in Scripture, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the perfect human. Right? And what he was able to do was he was able to perfectly live out God's will for him. Right? And so John 6.38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, right? not to pursue my own pleasure, not to get the, the, the highest paying job, not to live the most comfortable life, not to f- find a vacation at Cabo or to buy a sports car. That's not what I was put on earth to do. I was put on earth to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, Jesus experienced the joy of being the cheetah. What he was put on earth to do, when you live into that, there is a rightness. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a certain amount of pleasure that comes from sitting on the couch and watching Netflix all day, right? But we already mentioned this last week. It wears off very soon. It starts off very pleasurable, and after a while, you're like, dude, what am I doing with my life? I can't do this forever. We all know we were made for for meaning. We were made with a purpose, and we want to find that, and we want to experience the joy of actually living that out. There's another way that Jesus, uh, you know, so for him, when it says that uh, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, I think it was the joy of doing the Father's will. But that will was about something, and what it was about was about 
loving and forgiving and saving the entire world. Right? When Jesus is up there on the cross, we already said he looked down upon the shame. He thought little of the shame. He wasn't focused on that in his pain, his own pain and suffering. But he's up there on the cross and he's bleeding. And his words are, when people are mocking him, he's not like, man, I can't believe these people are mocking me. Man, I feel so ridiculous. Man, I wish I could get back at uh, at them. His words are, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The joy that was set before him was the joy of saving sinners. He was thinking about us. He was focused on us. There's this great book called The Book of Joy. It is a conversation between uh, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who we mentioned before. That was actually a quote from the book. Um, And it's a conversation between him and the Dalai Lama, and they're just talking about joy. But a surprising amount of the book talks about suffering. And one of the things that... um, they, they ask uh, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, is that they're like, hey, you're a guy who is very, very joyful. They say he, like, smiles all the time. He's got a smile that just lights up the room. And, and he's, like, just all about other people and just making other people feel comfortable and bringing joy to other people. And he's, like, laughing all the time. And Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he uh, recently, I, I think he still has cancer. Um, and, and he also lived through apartheid which was this terrible time in South Africa where uh, blacks were ruled by whites, and it was a very, very oppressive time. A lot of people were killed and imprisoned unfairly, and they're like, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, how can you, who have gone through so much suffering in your life, be so joyful? And this was his answer to that question. He said, if you are setting out to be joyful, you are not going to end up being joyful. In other words, our approach to life, where we're just trying to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. Let's get the pleasure. Let's minimize the pain. He's like, it's not going to work. He says, you're going to find yourself turned in on yourself. But joy is like a flower. You open. You blossom really because of other people. When you are open to other people, right, you will experience more joy. But when you're more about yourself, you're closed off. And I think some suffering, maybe even intense suffering, is a necessary ingredient for life, certainly for developing compassion. And he shares this extraordinary thing about probably the best known. Archbishop Desmond Tutu is very, very famous in the struggle against apartheid and the healing of South Africa after apartheid ended. But the most famous person who he worked very closely with is Nelson Mandela. You probably heard of him. He's won the Nobel Peace Prize, right? He really helped heal South Africa for a very difficult time. But what Desmond Tutu says right after this quote is he says that, you know, when Nelson Mandela went to jail, he was young. And you could almost say bloodthirsty. He was bloodthirsty. He says he was the, the head of the armed wing of the African National Congress, his party. He spent 27 years in jail. And many would say, 27 years, oh, what a waste. And I think people are surprised when I say, no, the 27 years were necessary. They were necessary to remove the dross, 
The suffering in prison helped him to become more magnanimous, willing to listen to the other side, to, to discover that the people he regarded as his enemy, they too were human, human beings who had fears and expectations, and they had been molded by their society. And so without the 27 years, I don't think we would have seen the Nelson Mandela with the compassion, the magnanimity, the capacity to put himself in the shoes of the other. Friends, you know, for many of us, we avoid the suffering, but Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he went right through it. He endured it, but he didn't focus on it. In his suffering, he didn't make it about him but he made it about others. He made it about the will of God and about all the people that Jesus came to save. All of suffering humanity. When Jesus saw the people sneering at him and and mocking him, he didn't think, oh man, this is just so bad for me. He looked at them and he felt sorry for them. Look at the anger in their heart. Look at how it's consuming them. Look look at how they are relishing in my own suffering. Father, will you forgive them? Because there's something broken in them. Right? And so in this conversation that Desmond Tutu has with the Dalai Lama, they keep talking about this idea that when you are in suffering, in difficulty, when you are worried, that the antidote to it is to not think about yourself as we are so prone to do, but to think about other people. And so I want to share another quote from this book. It is a fantastic book. Um, And he says, what we are offering is a way of handling your worries, thinking about others. You can think about others who are in a similar situation or perhaps even in a worse situation, but who have survived, even thrived. It does help quite a lot to see yourself as part of a greater whole. The path of joy is connection. And the path of sorrow is separation. So many of us, we think that when we separate ourselves, when it becomes I, 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 me, 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 I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my pleasure. I'm going to keep myself safe. We think it's going to make us happy, and it's actually the opposite. It makes us miserable. It makes us self-centered. It makes us selfish. But the way you were wired The cheetah was wired for running, and you are wired for connection. You were wired to be generous and loving. It's in you. And when we live that out, there's a sense of rightness in the world. It feels good in a way that lasts longer than the the kind of pleasures, the fleeting pleasures that we have in this world, right? It's a different kind of pleasure right? It's that that feeling of contentment. That's that feeling of fulfillment, right? Have you ever helped someone in trouble, right? Have you ever been generous, not in a begrudging way, but because you really, really wanted to help someone? Have you ever just connected to someone and maybe heard someone's story, a story of their suffering? And for a moment, it wasn't about you. You're not thinking about your problems. You're looking at their suffering and you're feeling their suffering with them. And you forget yourself for a moment. And maybe it's not like, yay, fun. But there is a sense of deep meaning in that, of deep rightness, that this is the world as it's supposed to be. Right? 
And so, friends, um, you know, one of the, the analogies that, that the Bible uses all the time when it talks about sorrow and joy is it talks about childbirth. So this is John 16, 21. It says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that, that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. There is this sense that even the sorrow that we go through in life, you know, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he says that, yes, we are put on this earth for joy, but it doesn't mean that there isn't suffering. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be enjoyable all the time. It doesn't mean that there isn't profound pain, right? And you have to walk through it. And it does enrich your life to do so. But the Bible promises us that that sorrow will not last forever, right? He says, don't worry. This is only a momentary thing. But as you live into who you were created to be, somebody who doesn't just live for yourself, but lives to be in connection with other people, who lives to serve and sacrifice and be generous on behalf of other people, Right? And as you connect to this, this, this family that I've given you, this community that I've given you, right? I mean, for one, it is an eternal community. All that we see is going to pass away. And there is a newness that's going to come that is lasting and forever. Right? And so, friends, I, I just want to end you know, this idea for the joy, right? For the joy that's set before us. You know, uh, childbirth, as I've heard, I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a dad. I know it's Father's Day, but come on. Women do the heavy lifting here. It's so much harder. You know, and I don't know the pain of childbirth. I, I've heard it's excruciating, you know. But why do women go through it? Why do moms go through it? They don't do it for the pain. Right? They don't go through it for the suffering. They, they, they don't even focus on the suffering after a while. Yeah, it's hard, but they do it for the joy. Right? Like the, the, this is a picture of a mother staring at their baby. And as it says in Scripture, very soon that pain goes away when you look in the face of your baby. And maybe there's a moment where you're in such excruciating pain and you want to stop. You don't want to do it anymore. But for so many moms, just throughout the ages, they keep going, right? For the joy, for the baby. Now, friends, what about you? As we're going through life, you know, you're probably facing difficult things. I don't know, maybe some people have been really hit hard during COVID financially. You're thinking about the financial pain that you're going through, right? Think about what Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, that in those moments, it helps so much for us to think about other people, to pray for other people, to think about all the people. I mean, you know, for many of us, I'm not saying everyone, but maybe you're experiencing some financial pain, but you know there are people who are way worse off than you. And to think about them and to be compassionate for them and to be like, man, if this is hard for me, I wonder what it's like for the person who doesn't have a home anymore. I wonder what it's like in some countries where they don't have ready access to a vaccine. I wonder what it's like to, to people, for people who've lost loved ones to COVID. To pray for them, to think about them, right? In those moments when you feel that pain, 
you can feel in some small measure, not exactly what they feel, but a small measure of that. Friends, I want to encourage you to do something. When you experience pain this week, just, you know, you can do this as a little project, a little experiment. You know, maybe it's a pain of loneliness. Maybe it's the pain of not having a job or, you know, being worried about the future. Maybe it's the pain of mental illness, the pain of anxiety or depression. I want to encourage you for a moment. You know, you can bring those things to God. We've had great sermons about that. Very important stuff, right? I'm not saying that your pain isn't valid. But I want you to shift for a moment and to think about other people in your life who are experiencing similar pain. I want you to pray for them. And if you can, I want you to reach out to them. Maybe just send them a message and let them know. Hey, you know, brother, sister, I, I was thinking about you. I just just was wondering how you're doing and just wanted you to know that I prayed for you. Friends, I I, I think there's something that happens. Like like Desmond Tutu says, you know, we aren't the the, 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 uh, flower or the plant that is shriveling, but we will start to open up. And we will start to open up to the joy of what we were created to do. Um, praise team, can you guys come up? I, I do want to end, you know, thinking about Jesus. Because um, it says to look to the author and perfecter of our faith. I'm going to just throw up that picture of the cross here. And so even if you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, that's well and good, right? I mean, man, you know, it, it, it's nice to think about other people and their suffering, but you don't know what my suffering is like, Pastor Steve. Like, like my suffering, it's, it's so much. And in those moments, friends, I, I want you to look to Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He went through it all. This is the reason why Jesus is so worthy of our praise and worship. He didn't just say, ah, I feel your pain. Sucks to be human. That must be hard. He went through it all for the joy he endured the cross. There is none of us that can look at the cross and say, man, you know, Jesus had it easy. He endured it all to save us. Let's just take a moment to just gaze upon that cross thank him for the cross. We have a Savior who absolutely can relate to human suffering, who is there with us in our suffering, and who can help us, as he did, to transform that suffering. It's not about us anymore. It can be about doing the will of God. It can be about saving other people. It can be about loving other people, connecting to other people. Precious God, we are so grateful. As we gaze upon the cross of your son, who endured such incredible suffering, humiliation, but he scorned the shame. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He didn't dwell on that. But for the joy that was set before him, 
he was focused upon doing your will and, and about saving all of us, God. Lord, may you help us, God, for our hearts to be open in our times of suffering. As we go through life, not to avoid the times of difficulty, but to go through it with our eyes open, our hearts open. God, to think about the people that you have given to us, Lord, to love and to serve. To think about what we have been put on this earth to do, to live and love like you. God, we thank you so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen.